So we are, we began a series on what? A couple weeks ago. Huh? Huh? David. No. Not David. Romans, yes. Romans. Maybe that's Tuesday. Uh, we are doing, yes, we are doing the Psalm 23 on Tuesday night. We started a new series uh, where a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. So it's actually a person that wrote a book. Uh, who was a shepherd, so you kind of get a little bit more insight from it. So, all right, so we are in the book of Romans, and Romans was written by whom? Paul. Paul. To whom? The Romans. The Romans. Hey, that's great. All right, so the people in Rome, and had, did he know the people in Rome? Mostly not. He knew a few people who lived in Rome that he met in other places, but at the time he wrote the book of Romans, he had not visited Rome. But he was headed to Rome ultimately in the end, and he knew he wanted to get to Rome. Ultimately, he appealed to Caesar because he was uh, charged with a crime, which essentially he, he was supposed to be inciting riots and things by talking about Christ, which caused a great stir in a lot of places. But ultimately, he was arrested, and he appealed to Caesar, which allowed him to be taken to Caesar, but it took him quite some time to get there. And that was uh, later on in his ministry. And when he got to Rome, uh, we believe he was there for at least a couple of years, and we don't know exactly uh, when and if he stood before Caesar uh, but he would have been in Caesar's court at some point, okay? So he wrote this to a group of Christians who had really never met him, mostly, but there were a few travelers that he did know, some folks that we believe he knew from maybe Corinth or other places where he had been, right? So starts out with a very big view of the world, right? And he talks about mankind in general really turning their backs on God. They knew about God from the very beginning, and, but they said, we're going to worship everything but God. Right? So we find out that pretty much humans are selfish. All humans are selfish. Okay? And they really like themselves. Right? They like themselves. They prefer to worship anything but God. And then we began to understand a little bit more uh, about not just them, but the Jewish people. Okay? So God chose in particular the Jewish nation to call them as his people. His nation, okay? So the Jewish people. Now, being God's chosen nation has been pretty tough on the Jewish people, right? They have had more tragedy, more loss, more struggle, more strife in their entire history as a nation than most other nations have had. Okay, they have been enslaved. They have been stolen and taken from their homes. 
they have been, uh, and that's ancient world and modern world. Of course, the most famous recent one was the Holocaust, right? In the 40s, which was 80 years ago, there were over 6 million of them taken and exterminated, put into camps, killed, destroyed. And so they've had a rough time being God's chosen people. But we're going to look a little bit deeper into that and some other pieces and parts of that. But first of all, the question is, who am I? Me. I'm Levi. You know me as. Right? And you know me by the way I look, the things I say, the things I do. What if one day... I went to work or to the store, doesn't really matter where, and I was kidnapped. And someone had been watching me in my life. And they were able to make a really, really good, they had changed themselves to look just like me. I mean surgery, whatever they needed to do to look just like me. And instead of me coming home, they came home in my place. Looked just like me, right? They found an exact way to figure out. They've been practicing, taking voice lessons just to get their voice just the same as mine. They've worked at mocking and figuring out exactly what it is. They dyed their hair. They colored their eyes. Did all the things they needed to do. And then they came home to my house instead of me. Would that be fine? <laughs> well, I don't think so. But why wouldn't it be fine, though, if they looked just like me? They talk just like me. Because it's not you. Why not? Because it's literally not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if it looks just like me, and it could convince my entire family, why not? It's not me. <laughs> okay, so there's something else besides my looks, my voice, even my personality, because there are people who study other people and they can do really good impressions of other people, right? So maybe this person figured out just the right things to say, just the right things to do, to be just like me. But none of you would say, eh, it's okay, it's close enough to him, right? Because you wouldn't, you'd say, that's not right, because that's not him. He's an imposter. Right? You wouldn't just say, eh, good, good enough. Close enough. Right? I'm not that other person. We'll call him Bob. Bob would come in, right, <laughs> and just take my name. He's not part of my family. He can't just say, I belong to this family now because I look like him. 
You can't just say that because it's not true, right? You have to have that true identity. And that's what we're going to talk about is a true identity. You can't just come and impersonate me and say that's close enough. You can't do that. It does not make you a part of my family just because you impersonated me. Because you looked like me. Because you talked like me. Because you acted like me. does not make you me. Okay? So here's the question. What makes you a part of God's family? Is it because you... Well, let me go back, reel back here, because we're going to talk about that. God's family. And then there, over here is Bob, the imposter. He's an imposter, all right? Bob the imposter. We'll park him away for a minute. Is every person born here on earth a child of God? I got a yes. I got another yes. A third yes. You're falling like dominoes, right? <laughs> and then I got four that are not sure. Or five, maybe, if you're not sure. Four, I guess. So, because you're a human, Yes, you are created by God, okay? And in that sense, you're a child of God. But just because you're a human, does that make you a part of God's family? Nope. So what's missing? That's the problem. What's missing. If you're born into the human race and God created the human race, how come you're not just born into God's family? Because there's... Okay, there's a choice. Sort of. There's a choice, right? There is. There's something else. There. Didn't Bob make a choice to become part of my family? Instead of me. Bob made a choice. Bob the imposter. He made a choice. Bob. <laughs> he's a frustrating guy, isn't he? Because he really wrecks it all, right? Because he's not really me. And he's not really part of my family. Now, could Bob come to me and say, I really want to be a part of your family? <laughs> With some sort of knowledge and some sort of legal process, maybe Bob could not be an imposter and maybe he could be adopted, right? Into my family. So, I don't know. <laughs> you can't have old people in your family? Can old people be adopted? Yeah, they can be your grandma. All right. Right, maybe, maybe. So, here's this is the big thing. To be a part of God's family, what do you really have to do? How do you become a part of God's family? If the human race is just not God's family, okay, there are some humans 
that say, oh yeah, we're all God's children. And then they go and do what they want to do in life. Okay? They don't act like God's children. Now some people act like God's children, but maybe not, aren't really God's children. Maybe they're imposters. So there's something unique about it. All right, so here is God's chosen people. To begin with, we talk about Israel. Are they born into the Jewish people, right? That's God's chosen people. Bible says it. If you're born a Jew, are you part of God's chosen people? Yeah. Okay. If you're born a Jew, does that make you belong to God's family? Mm, that's a little different question, isn't it? See, this God's family uh, is where something we have to really work on and think about. Now, the Jewish people, long, long time ago, were told, and this wasn't even before, before the Jewish people existed, Abraham was a man who came that God chose and said, I want you to go out and I want you to leave your family and I want you to go and wander in the wilderness and the places I show you are the land I'm going to give to your descendants. Now, he had no descendants. And he went out and God made a big promise and said, I am going to give you descendants. Well, he got to be an older and older and older man. And... Eventually, well, a Abraham did believe that God was going to make him uh, a nation out of him. But he got older and older and older. And he was almost 100 years old by the time that he actually was given a real son that he did according to God's plan with Sarah, his wife. She was 90. Okay, but she had that son. So they're old, way beyond having children. And God said to them, I want you, I want you as Abraham to do something. I want you to get circumcised, all right? And I, that's basically having a surgery. And on the outside, if you looked at a man, you could tell if he was circumcised. So it's a symbol is all it is. But he said, you and all of your male descendants will be circumcised. Every single one of you. And so all of the Jewish people did. Did that make them believers? Because they did what God said. Because they were circumcised. It's really just an external thing. If you wear a cross necklace, does that make you part of the family of God? If... You said, you know what? Part of the family is God is I'm going to chop off my ring finger on my left hand. So everybody knows that I belong to God. So just, yeah, chop it off. And then does that make you a part of them, of God's family? But you were trying to show people, look it, I don't have a finger. All of those things are external. So something else has to happen for God's family. And this is what Paul is talking about. To be in God's family, Paul's going to talk about something that has to happen.
besides anything external. All right, Romans chapter 2, verse number 29, the very last verse in chapter 2. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So what makes a real person a real Jew, according to God? Inward things, which is what? Spirit. His spirit, okay? So his spirit is most important. His heart, his spirit, right? What actually makes you a real Jewish person? Not because you have a symbol or a sign, not because you wear the right hat or have a long beard or are circumcised, not because you speak a certain language that does not make you God's child in the Jewish nation. Nor does it make anyone else God's child to have any outward symbols of what you believe necessarily. It does not, you can have outward symbols, but it does not connect you to God. Just like Bob the imposter is not me. He comes into my family. He says, I'm, I'm you. I belong here. No, you don't. You might look exactly like me, but you are not me. You don't belong. You're an imposter. All right? And until you have this thing happen to you, which is what we're going to find out, Till this thing happens to you, you do not belong to God's family. There is no other way around it. This is the core of what we believe that makes you different, that makes you belong to God's family. Let's go to Romans chapter number 3. Verse number 9 through verse number 20. 9 through 20. So wherever we left off, please just keep reading, please. Okay, hold on for a second. Basically, it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or anybody else in the world, which is what they use for Gentiles, right? You have all sinned. Me, you, everybody. You come into this world as a human, and you've got a sinful nature. You were born through your parents with a sinful nature. So, sinful equals all humans. Okay, continue. Saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every 
Proud they do stand, and all the world they do have justice before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Okay. All humankind, we said all humankind is sinful. Every one of them. And so, these are the Ten Commandments, okay? The law. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> I didn't even count it. It just happened. All right? That is the law. And by the law, you cannot please God. Unless, if you never, ever, 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 in any way, broke any of those commandments. Now, when Jesus came to earth, all the priests and all of the Levites and all of the religious leaders had spent their entire lives saying, we didn't break the commandment because... We didn't work on the Sabbath day. We brought little bits of our uh, land with us, so we did never, we just drop a little dirt, and then we never left our land. See, I'm right here. I never left my land. I drop a little another crumb of dirt. I never left my land, which means I didn't travel. Right? And God says, you missed the whole point. Or a man says, I never committed adultery. I never, ever went and was unfaithful to my wife. And Jesus came and said, if you ever, ever looked at a woman, just looked at her and lusted after her, wanted her in the wrong way, even in your mind for a moment, you broke the law. And then their whole theory fell apart because they couldn't please God because they had a sinful nature. They didn't even know the things they're doing. And that's the whole thing. Every one of us has to the core of us a sinful nature. And we cannot please God. And so by the law, you can't be saved. And why can't you be saved by the law? Is the law wrong? Nope. In fact, God put the... Why did he bother? Right? Why did he make the law? Why did he say... You shall not commit adultery. Because it's sin. What makes it a sin? <laughs> because in God's nature, there are things that are good and there are things that he says, these are not in my nature. And those things, in God, not in God's nature, are evil. The opposite of good. Right? And so God said, these are all the things you'd have to do. In all of their perfection, to the very minutest detail, you could never have broken any one of these laws. And the whole human race failed miserably. Failed miserably. With the whole thing. They messed it all up. And the whole human race, every one of us then, has no hope. We could not do it. So why make a bunch of rules that we just couldn't? Me? We couldn't do it. Here's why. Because if mankind did not have the rules written down from God, and God says, all right, I am coming 
to see what you did in your life. And you are going to stand in judgment. You never told us what the right way was. How could I be expected to go to a standard? How would I know what was wrong? And God said, all right, I will write the law down. And you will all know that you broke it. Some ways, or lots of ways in your life. And he says, if you broke one of these things one time once, it's over. You have to be perfect to be saved through the law. And so we all just missed the whole train, missed the whole boat, missed the whole world that the train was on, okay? We just weren't even there. Couldn't possibly do it. And it's there to teach us to say, we are all bankrupt. We all don't have anything in our accounts. We cannot pay our debts. So how are we going to do it? And it just shows us as we look and we say, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. I've messed up so many times. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, it teaches us to shut our mouths. That's the one thing it says. So that every mouth can be stopped, it says. So we just say, don't think you're so awesome in and of yourself. Because when you stand before God, you will be like a little sniveling worm when it comes to what you've accomplished in your life. It will do nothing. You have no hope. Now that's pretty terrible. All that is awful, right? No chance, no hope. All that is terrible. But that's not where Romans ends. That's really the beginning of the story. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 and 25, please. Propitiation. Okay, so you are going to be justified. Justified is a legal term. Okay? Justified. When God stands, when you stand in front of God someday, if you are a real person in God's family, you really, truly, not a fake one, not an imposter, but a real person in God's family, God has justified you. And he will say, okay, you are covered. Even though you couldn't make the law, you are covered. You couldn't do it. You saw it. And how are you covered? Well, you had a big debt to pay. And that debt was only covered by Jesus through a propitiation or a payment of sin. In lieu of, instead of you dying, he did it for you. Okay? Because what you earned through not following the law was death. You earned that. But Christ said, I will pay that for you so that you will be covered by my righteousness. That's the only way you will ever stand. It's like you. That's you. Standing there and God looks at you and this is Christ's righteousness. 
he sees everything through the lens of Christ's righteousness and says, you are justified because Jesus died so that you can be justified. Justified is a good, a good way to do it is just as if I have never sinned. I'm justified just as if that's the way God looks at me. Like I've never sinned. If I truly am in God's family. And I'm covered by his righteousness. He looks at me and says, you're righteous. Not you, but through Christ, you are righteous. And you are good. You have a chance. You have redemption. You have been paid for. Okay? You have been paid for by Christ. So, Jesus paid that debt, and then how do we become the real family of God? Chapter 4, verse number 3, 4, and 5. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward All right, so this is the core thing. We talked way back about Abraham being the first person who did what? He had a promise from God that he was going to have a child. And he did what about that promise? He can't have He believed it. It seems so simple, right? Because <laughs> it's so little that we're asked to do. And that is when, he, when God says, Abraham, I'm going to come and I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to grow a nation out of you personally, and then I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I, you are going to have a child. And he, went and he believed it. And that's it. He didn't do it. It was a miracle as a hundred-year-old man had a child and his 90-year-old wife. It was a miracle. God did it. And all he had to do was say, I believe it. I believe you can. Even when he's 100 and she's 90 and it seems impossible, he believed that God could do it. That's called faith. And faith puts you into God's family. Faith is the belief in God's promises. And that is the deciding factor that puts you into the family of God, that makes you not an imposter anymore. You can do all the outward things you want to do and all the things you're going to try, and you can go to church every Sunday, and you can wear big crosses. You can wear ten big crosses. You can put cross rings on all your fingers, and you could, you could, stamp, a, you could stamp a Bible verse on your head, Right? It will not make you part of God's family until you believe what he promised you. So what did he promise you? 
lots of things, but the main thing that he believed, is, or that he promised you, is that if you believe that my son died for you, then you're justified just as if you never sinned, and I'll bring you to heaven. And there's lots and lots and lots more promises in the Bible. But that's a core belief. He paid the sin debt that you owed, and all you have to do is believe it. You don't have to sing about it. You don't have to speak it. You don't have to make certain signs. You don't have to do a cartwheel before you can get there. It's not anything that you physically can really do, but it's the inner core, the inner being that is just awoken, and even that, God's Spirit has to awaken it in you. And then he makes you alive inside. He takes the dead nature that you and I all have from being sinners, and he quickens it, or he makes it alive. So there's a dead part of you. And that's why you could never be a part of God's family with that part dead. If your spirit is dead to begin with, you cannot be a part of God's family because God is a spirit. And he says that he is only worshipped in spirit and in truth. And so if your spirit's dead, you can't be in God's family. You are Bob the imposter. Not allowed. You don't belong there. You might look just like you do, but until you believe the core thing to say that, okay, I'm given, I've forgiven by Christ. I'm forgiven. He covered my sins. If you believe that, that simple thing of faith in God to say, okay, I believe it, changes your whole entire outlook. It's not very much that you have to do. Not very much at all. And God does all the rest. He did all the setup of it and all of the pushing and all of the creating and all of the redeeming and everything. And all you have to do is say, not, oh yeah, Jesus was alive, but he paid for me. And once you cross that belief and say, he actually did it for me, it puts you into God's family. God comes and awakens your spirit. And then the journey begins. And it's a big journey. And there's a lot of things. But to begin with, he starts there. And you believe it, even though it seems impossible. And far away from here, and far away from when you're going to school and all the things you do in life. And you're like, eh, that seems... But if you believe that he did it, Put you in God's family. And that's what creates you. And that's why Abraham was the father of many nations. And that's why you grew up singing, Father Abraham and many sons. I am one of them and so are you. Why are you a son of Abraham? A daughter of Abraham. Why can you wing your arms around and get your head? Because by faith, Abraham believed, and that counted him for righteousness. That is what made him the father of many nations, and you could be a part of those 
nations of people that believe, God's family. Okay? And so that's what put you in Father Abraham's family when you believe. It's that simple. It's the tiniest bit of faith. And that's where God begins in your soul. He opens you up and makes your journey. And then we start, next time we begin to look deeper into what then happens because there's a great struggle and a great war that's about to happen once you have that tiny bit of faith. You will see God does great things, but it's not over yet. Thank you very much. Have a good day.